Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. About eight years ago, the property market um, doubled on the coast. So a $250,000 house was worth $500,000. I had some friends who um, they had uh, they had help from a family member to purchase a house. And they were at uni, so they did extremely well. They bought a house, they flipped it, and they made um, they sold it for double. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset, and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum, and in this episode, we're back with Dan Osborne and Tim Garth, also known as Cats Accountants or, after dark, Two Drunk Accountants. In this episode, we discuss money, mindset, and mentors, dive into Garth's property journey, and the two pod accountants give their thoughts on their local Central Coast property market. While Osborne and Garth are essentially carbon copies in many ways, they're perched on different rungs of the property ladder for now. Garth's property journey started in 2017 while he credits to his wife in a forward thinking and driven mindset. Thanks to her wise ways, they're already sitting at $300,000 equity in a scorching coastal market. My wife, um, she's a year older than me. She started her career when she was 21 and she's so driven and she's a saver. So, um, she was a large part of us buying a house five years ago. Um, and yeah, on the central coast, um, I'd say maybe seven to eight years ago, you could buy a house for like $200,000 and it was a pretty decent house in a good location. Um, that doubled about, I'd say, yeah, six years ago. And then it kept going up when we bought our house. We felt like we were buying at a massive peak. Mm. Uh, I don't know, some people like potentially even in, like Dan, for example, was like, I'm just going to wait for it to maybe just come down a little bit. Mm. Then I'm going to buy, which it did do for a couple of years. It came down maybe 10%. Mm. Um, but now, you know, so we bought our house for seven hundred thousand um, dollars in twenty seventeen. Twenty seventeen, um, and uh, I'd say conservatively, it's worth you know over a million dollars now um, with no changes to it. So that then led to some interesting things for me last year during mm. lockdown. I was sitting in my house uh, wondering what I should do with myself, and um, started looking into investing in in property. Uh, myself using the equity that I'd gained in my house. So, um, so yeah, that was interesting. I didn't end up going through with that because I came back to the fact that I've actually got a large investment which I need to focus on right now, which is buying the business. Mm. <laughs> um, and for me, yeah, a lot of it was around 15 to 20 year calculations on, on um, if I bought a property, say like an apartment in Melbourne or a, a property that I could um, turn into a duplex in Queensland. Um, 
I, I saw that there was a lot of good reasoning to do that, that in 15 years time, it'll help me pay down my residential loan, um, which is potentially in half the time that I would otherwise pay it down. But, um, but then I realized I need to continue putting my time and investment into the property. And actually that may mean I could pay down my loan in eight years instead of 15. Um, so, so yeah, I've, yeah, it's, for me, it's been something of, of great interest and we've seen some good benefit from property mm. just from like my family, like mum and dad bought this property in, in Wyong that we're sitting in today. And, um, and they structured that in their self-managed super fund, which is an area that I love for clients when they can run their business out of a, a commercial property that's held in their self-managed super fund. I think that works beautifully. Delve a little bit more into that, actually. That's a very good point that you raised. And a lot of clients, I guess, I, I, investors I hear do that because you know, I know a few already that have purchased a commercial property that they own in a self-managed super fund, run their business in it, and collect rent from it as well. So let, let's delve a little bit more into that. I think as long as you know, again, this is coming back to your, your why, your purpose, and your plan. So as long as you, you have a good idea of what your plan is, um, then buying a commercial property in your super fund could be a, a fantastic idea um, because uh, people in business generally do end up needing space. Um, they, they could be selling things. They could be selling online, so mm. a warehouse. They could need a shop front. Um, they might need foot traffic, whatever it may be. And anyone who's uh, moved into a commercial space knows that fitting out a shop is not cheap. Mm. <laughs> um, that is a timely and costly um, task. So uh, it's a shame when three years later the lease ends and they move out because they've either not seen eye to eye with a landlord, which we've seen a lot of over the last few years with COVID, unfortunately, mm. um, or maybe they've outgrown it. Or, or, or maybe business isn't doing so well or I don't know. There's, there's a number of reasons why they may be changing, but they've just wasted that investment because um, now the owner of that property is going to inherit that fit out, <laughs> which for some businesses is several hundred thousand dollars. Mm -hmm. So without even looking at tax consequences there, there's a huge advantage to owning the property that your business works out of because everything you put into improving that property retains with you. Mm. Um, but then on the flip side of that, self-managed super funds or just super is concessionally taxed. So there's a huge advantage there. Um, it's a separate entity in its own right. So it's protecting an asset. Um, and it also means that it is legally possible to charge rent at a market rate to mm. your business, which means you're saving tax because you're getting income out of your business into the super fund world, which um, is only taxed at 15%. So that's that's in the life of the journey then there's also it's going to help you because you've got more cash in there so you can get deposits um which you may not otherwise have access to as a business owner and um and uh when you retire that is when it really comes to fruition <laughs> because uh, depending on the value of the property and how much other money you have in super um that property could potentially be sold tax-free so the the capital gain could be completely disregarded at that point which is, which is pretty powerful. Or you could mm. keep earning the rent also tax-free if you're retired. So Yeah. And mm. I think one of the main advantages, apart from everything Tim's just said, which is huge, you know, tax-free capital gain on an investment when you go to retire is amazing, Yeah, uh, is, is, you know, one of the rules with the self-managed super fund is you can't rent a residential property mm. to, uh, to yourself or a family member. 
So people might be thinking, oh, I should do this with my house or I should, yeah. you know, with an investment property and rent, rent it to my child or something at a, at a cheap rate. Uh, you're, not, you're actually not allowed to do that. Um, but you are allowed to rent it to your business. Yeah. So you can rent a commercial property to your business. Um, so that way, that is that connection between you're putting rent in, you're not wasting the rent you're paying to someone else, it's still going to you. Yeah. Um, and you'll be able to run your business and you're adding the value and then it's very tax concessional. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, again, it still doesn't stop it if uh, that property is no good and goes down in value, then you're still yeah. going to face that same problem. So it still needs to be a good investment yes. um, and it needs to work in with your broader strategy. Yeah. But uh, if, if you're going to own a commercial property for your business, it is a very tax effective way to do it. Yeah. So um, if you understand your why and your, your plan, mm. um, you know, it could be definitely a worthwhile thing to do. Um, you just need to understand once it's in super, can't take uh, it out. You can't take it out <laughs> until you retire. So <laughs> that's the one downside. Um, and, you know, the reality is some of us may not <laughs> live to that age, unfortunately. So there's, there's also an element of um, what you need now and what mm. you're going to use now. While self-managed super funds have their pros and cons, one of the most obvious cons is that there are barriers to access it. You can't use the equity in another property. You've got to buy it. Yeah. You also need a, a larger depo um, deposit if you're going to borrow because super funds actually aren't allowed to borrow money, but you do it through a way where you've got to set up a separate entity that holds the limited recourse loan. So there's more costs. More costs to set it up. Um, the administration of the super fund each year. Well. Costs money to maintain all of that. Yeah, um, yeah so you need a, usually at least a 30% deposit. Yeah. Um, and, and you, yeah, it's going to be ongoing cost to maintain it. But in saying that, if the investment ends up being a good investment mm -hmm. and you keep renting it from your business, then it can be quite tax effective. Yeah. And you can have six members in a yeah. self-managed super fund as well. So, um, rolling all those balances together could mm -hmm. get you to that point where you have three to 500 grand to use to buy a property. Osborne and Garth have had many investors in both residential and commercial markets. Among all the good, they've also witnessed worst case scenarios due to people making mistakes and so they've picked up a lot of lessons along the way. Not going into any spe specific story but some of the broad dangerous avenues that I see people go down occasionally. You know, The first one is when they're 100% all in on one type of investment. <laughs> so if their portfolio is just, I'm just going to loan money to buy this property and I'm going to keep using the equity to buy more and more property and but that's the only thing I'm doing ever. Uh, sometimes I worry about that because all eggs in one basket is never a great idea. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, uh, so I do worry about that. You know, people recently, particularly, they've seen the, the growth in the market Yeah. and they assume that, well, that's always going to happen. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, we're going to see another 20%, 30% this year and then again and then again. So, I'm going to borrow, you know, so much money and do it. But interest rates are at an all-time low. Um, you know, they're only going to go up. The cost of repayments are only going to go up. It's likely in some markets, prices might go down a little bit, certainly not down 30% or anything. But most major banks are predicting a small, if not just stagnate, a small mm. dip. Mm. If you're holding them for a long term, that doesn't matter as much because you know, over time, you would assume they're going to continue to go up. Yeah. But if, if people are in it for short-term gains and they, they just put it all in, uh, I, I worry about the risk of that. Yeah. And, and I have seen, we haven't seen the payoff of that yet because mm. it's, it's happened so recently. Um, but, but I'm interested to see what that looks like in a few years' time with some clients. 
but the other funny thing I find is is um, targeting invents yeah, sorry in, investments purely for the tax advantages. So mm. what I'm talking about here is negative gearing. Yeah. So the amount of times I've had a client come to me and say, "I'm you know I, I want to get a negative geared property." Yeah. And you say why? That's, oh, you know, it's going to save all this tax. It's a great investment. I think. Well, why would why wouldn't you rather investment that not only makes money, <laughs> but <laughs> but also increases in value? That that makes more sense to me than yeah. than just saving some tax. So, yeah. targeting investments purely for the tax savings is never a good idea. You should always try and target them for, uh, you know, growth <laughs> and and return. It seems smarter to me. Totally agree. Mm. Um, yeah, I've I've never seen anyone too badly burned mm. from um, from investing in property. Um, I've seen I have you know I guess we do lose sight of the fact that we all think properties are just doubling these days. Mm. Anyone who had a property is worth double now. I do see people who've bought in different places, like say for example, Coffs Harbour. Um, the recent increase in the market has just seen them be able to sell it for the amount that they bought it. <laughs> And and for them, it's it's been a, a stressful experience because there's um I think it's at a resort, so um so yeah they've had you know a lot of politics involved, and so yeah they couldn't wait to get out of that one. Um, but also I think as accountants we see a lot of people's income. Mm. I can't say I've seen many people's income increase that drastically. Last year and the year before, potentially they artificially increased because of a lot of grants. And, and subsidies so it does um to me I, I do think the learning for me is that wage growth needs to happen i've been saying this for a while mm. i'm no economist or anything but the way that house prices have grown um as opposed to like wage growth is not sustainable so i'm hoping um that wages catch up a bit and I do have that in the back of my mind as an employer of mm. people as well because they need to earn more, mm. to borrow more, to buy more expensive houses. So, yeah. So, there's there's, there's a lot of interesting things there. I also did, I've, I've seen, so I, t- I talked about eight years ago, the property market um, doubled on the coast. So, a $250,000 house was worth $500,000. I had some friends who um, they had... Uh, they had help from a family member to purchase a house and they were at uni. So, they did extremely well. They bought a house, they flipped it and they made, um, they sold it for double, which at the time was amazing. Um, but now I actually think, had they kept that? <laughs> had they kept that house, <laughs> they would have made like four or five times. So, so there's there's a few lessons there around just hanging on to investments Um and perhaps, you know, you do really need to do your research on what investment or what area is going to be right for you. Um, and once you once you commit, I think it really has to be a 10 to 20 year journey with property. That's that's probably what I'd say. Yeah. And well, if it happens to come off in two years, then well done. Good on you. Yeah, right. <laughs> the, the, the transaction costs are so high with property. You know, it's not like shares where it's $10 brokerage. It's yeah. it's tens of thousands of dollars to buy a property and to sell a property. So yeah, yeah. it needs to take, it takes time in yeah. normal worlds, yeah. <laughs> you know, not in the past year, but yeah, in, yeah. In, in the previous 10, yeah. uh, it takes time for you to recoup that yes. and then also grow. So I think, yeah, it needs to be, uh, a lot of people 
assume that because of what they've seen, you know, they're suddenly property gurus um, and and they're not. They're just a guy who happened to own a house at the right time. Yeah. Uh, and so I think careful long-term consideration is needed. Yeah, I think just expectations. Though. Yeah. You, you're in this for the long haul mm. if you do it. Um, and then, yeah, just perhaps like having exit strategies mm. or diversification. So mm. choose different markets, whether that be like, for example, Melbourne, and Brisbane to mm. maybe buy a property in each of those places as opposed to a property worth the culmination of those two properties in one location. Mm. Um, yeah, so, so those are a couple of the things that we've learned in the yeah. journey. Yeah. A few, few of the things we've seen and a few of the things we're worried about. Coming up after the break, we dive into decisions and how it can cost you more in the end to not make one at all. I made an informed decision and I'll, I'll live with that. They essentially pitched the real accountants of the Central Coast but without the drama. We did set out to try and be different mm. and to try and really flip it on its head. They take the time to get into an argument with their former selves. And that Tim would have said, shut up Tim. You're wasting my time, <laughs> yeah, I've got yeah. stuff to do. And that's next. I'm Tyron Shum and you're listening to Property Invest Story. Hey, let's be real. Deals that can yield 20 to 30% per annum do exist. Don't believe me? Well, here's a story about property development I invested in Victoria. This developer had the project fully funded beforehand, but he and his family suffered a loss, a circumstance that led him to be unable to proceed with the development. So, I stepped in and in two weeks, we funded the shortfall, allowing for the development to continue. Five months later, the development was refinanced and we received our funds back with interest. Yes, there are amazing opportunities in the property market like this one. So, do you want to get a better return with low risk on your money? Then register your interest by visiting propertyinvestory.com. For Garth, his aha moment came to him in 2021 when he was about to invest in property. While he had set it up so he would be in a better place in 15 years, his goal was to cut that time frame down. I was definitely setting myself up to to be in a better place in in 15 years, no doubt. I was going to be in a better place but um, when I really looked back on, um, on what I wanted to get from those investments, I wanted to be in a better place in seven years. <laughs> so, so it wasn't going to be right for me because if the market for some reason doesn't grow like it has been um, and in seven years it's worth the same or perhaps even less than what I invested in a property in say Melbourne and Brisbane, I would have been disappointed and I would have been in a worse position than I could have been if I'd done nothing. So, so for me, um, I was going in what, eyes wide open with that one, um, wanting something sooner, and knowing my expectations. Um, whereas if I'm if I was ready for that 15 year journey and I didn't have the business investment and I was just on wages and I was happy uh, with my lifestyle as it was, then I, I reckon I would have pulled the trigger on it for sure. While it's easily emotional to look at a property and see how it checks all the boxes. Not even these pot accountants have a crystal ball to see how it could play out in the future. I made an informed decision and I'll, I'll live with that. 
And in eight years, I may rue that massively because Brisbane houses were probably worth double or triple. <laughs> but, but I made an informed decision, and hopefully, also business has progressed and is worth more. And I paid off my my home loan anyway because that's the ultimate goal, right? So, um, so yeah, yeah. That's I think I think um, doing nothing um, out of either uh, ignorance to the options available to you or through just sheer being busy or not looking into it is a choice. I think that's a choice mm. and you need to recognize that if you have done nothing previously, then then that is a decision that you've made, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, and and so, yeah, you, it's never too late to get started if, uh, if you're unhappy with that decision. Um, yeah. if, you, if you're arming and ahhing right now, that's not to say you have to decide to invest in something, but uh, you either need to decide not to do it or to do it. You can't just um, be lazy or um, or do nothing, hoping that it's all going to work out. Make an informed decision and live with it. Yeah, I think um, it's funny that your aha is almost identical to my aha, but for completely different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> So last year, um, as I said, I was, you know, the previous 10 years, I hadn't been in a position to, to buy. Um, you know, we no one would have lent us a cent. So uh, two years ago, that changed and, and our financial position was much better. And we're like, great, let's get this deposit going. We did. We went and did everything right. We got our pre-approval. We went, all right, let's go do it. And then suddenly the market just went insane. And and even even as much as we tried to buy a house, we couldn't. Yeah. Um, you know, we'd offered many. We even got one. It fell through. Yeah. Whole bunch of nonsense. Yeah. Um, and that was quite stressful. Extremely stressful because we wanted in. Yeah. But we just, no matter how hard we tried, unless, you know, for the houses that we wanted to live in, because yeah. a house to live in is a very different choice to a house to invest in. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, we, we couldn't get what we wanted. Um, and so partway through towards the end of last year I had a similar moment where I sat down and I was like well no wait why am I doing this let's just sit back again I'm stressed let's have think about what's my long-term goal here what am I trying to do and I think that really was an aha moment it was it was a take a step back look at the big picture and try and figure out what is the plan why are you doing it in this moment why are you not doing it in this moment yeah, yeah. um you know had I wished I had rent vested five years earlier and bought a crappy apartment somewhere that was $200,000 that maybe I could have scrounged from somewhere. Yeah. 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 But, <laughs> but hindsight is twenty twenty. Exactly. And, um, and coming out of high school and working yeah. to buy a business, it's not really exactly. wasn't possible. It wasn't possible at that point. So, so really, I think it's important to sit back at, at any moment and try and figure out what's your long-term goal, what's your plan, how does this fit in your plan, yeah. and what it, what are you trying to achieve? And if, yeah. if what you're looking at, if investing in this property or the share portfolio or this business or whatever it is doesn't fit that, mm. then don't do it. Um, but yeah. don't regret that you didn't do it. Yeah, don't look it. back. Yeah. <laughs> look be, forward. Be yeah. confident with your decision, even mm. if it's the wrong one. You made it the best decision at the time for you. I think from our perspective, money brings options. It can bring happiness, but it doesn't always. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, if you yeah set your own set your own goalposts and uh, um, give yourself a pat on the back when when you achieve those, and that could even just be as simple as 
going for a walk every day or um yeah or doing your fitness or Hmm. just being happy whatever makes you happy Osborne, our residential rock star accountant, continues to buck trends when it comes to his work. His main mentors will come as no surprise. But when it comes to accounting mentors, he forges his own path. The obvious one for me is my family. Um, my mum, my, my dad, my brother all individually bring something completely different to the table. You know, my dad, very logical, very smart can think long-term about, you know, business and decisions and strategy, you know. Uh, so, he's someone I often turn to when I'm trying to make a decision and I'm just trying to take the emotion out of it. I just want to think, what's the most logical thing to do here? He's, he's always been someone that I've always turned to. In the accounting front, you know, uh, you know working here, uh, it's, uh, I've always sort of turned from the idea of a mentor uh, and, and I don't know why and I think it's because I think it's because I, I don't necessarily always think that others have or, or are doing it in the way that I thought that we could mm. I think that was the thing I think I felt yeah. that we had something different and unique to what a, a lot of other people in the accounting industry were doing yeah and so I wasn't sure I had anyone to hold up as this is an example of who I want to do yeah. work like. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was probably people and in, in things in, in other industries almost yeah. that, that maybe I was looking forward to. But then, you know, also just the way to conduct yourself as a leader of a team. Yeah. You know, uh, I think Warren yeah. was a good example. He, he was, you know, Tim's dad was, was very much someone who would trust his team and and give them responsibility and and let them learn the lessons and i think that's something that i've definitely learned yeah uh, along the way but but in terms of yeah just who do i look up to as a mentor and who, who do i try and follow as <laughs> as stuck up as that might sound i'm just not sure anyone in the industry was doing it the way that i felt i wanted to yeah i guess actually that's funny i totally mm. agree we we did set out to try and be different mm. and to try and really flip it on its head and it was around that time when zero was really you know forging a path um, so yeah, I guess, I guess for us, we did kind of feel like we were, we were making our own thing. Mm. Um, but I think it's, it's changed since then. Like there's mm. a lot of other accountants, um, and Zero's built this awesome community. So other accountants trust each other more. Yeah. Definitely. Go back, go back five plus years ago. And, um, mostly you just sort of, You'd say hello and you'd be like, you're busy? And they'd be like, yeah, yeah, busy. Busier than I've ever been. And it's like, okay, cool. Good on you. So are we. <laughs> and that was it. And now we really we really dive. We, we deep dive into each other's businesses and problems. And yeah, we've made some really good relationships with other accountants. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think you can discount the lessons learned from other people's experience. So yeah. by, by not having a mentor, I, I don't mean that I'm definitely not listening to other people in the industry and hearing what they've got to say because that's different. I just don't think I hold or we hold any one example. It's more, um, it's more of a community these days where everyone is helping anyone. Yeah, I try to take a page mm. out of uh, different people's books mm. um, as to how they've done something or their approach um, and try and bring that perspective into our business. That could be a friend that runs a marketing firm mm. or uh, that could be something that I learned from dad 
when I just reflect and think about how the business used to be versus how it is now. So, mm. yeah, yeah. Um, Getting as, as much information from as many sources as possible yeah, has always just, been the better strategy. Yeah, trying to be open <laughs> yeah. to learnings and yeah. but also trying to forge our own path. Mm. That's been kind of what we've had to do really. Now, Dan, if say, for example, you were able to stick yourself back in a time machine and meet yourself 10 years ago, <laughs> what do you think you would have said to him? It's a tough one because the obvious answer is do everything you can to go buy a place because it's going to be bloody hard when you're ready. It's going to, you, you've never heard of this thing called COVID-19, but when it happens, it's going to completely screw all of your plans. Uh, that's the obvious answer. In saying that, in saying that, I probably wouldn't be in the position I am now having not made all the decisions I'd made to this point. So I don't have any regrets no regrets from me. However, I think the biggest one was start thinking long-term earlier. Start thinking about what, what the next 10 years looks like, what's the next 20 years look like, yeah. and, and start planting little seeds. Yeah. Plant little seeds early is, I think, the, the advice I would have given, given myself back then. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think hmm. possibly just enjoy the moment, hmm. enjoy what you've got, um, because I was definitely in a mindset of the harder you work, um, the more you'll get out, which isn't necessarily true. Hard work is definitely required. Mm. You have to work hard, but um, that doesn't mean 10, 12-hour days, which which I've done. I've been there and done that. Um, and I've learned that I don't need to do that, um, which is definitely a journey. So, so yeah, I think just, just enjoying... Enjoying what you have and be appreciating, yeah, your own goals and and reaching those and yeah, I think I'm pretty actually. If I reflect, I'm pretty happy with how the ten years has gone. So mm. I just say, yeah, just go for it, <laughs> do it, and enjoy it. This is the team that you would have said ten years ago and said these things is like enjoy your journey, you know. And that team would have said, "Shut up, Tim. You're wasting my time. <laughs> yeah, I've got yeah. stuff to do and I'm trying to get to billable be. hours yeah. done today." And to yeah. an extent, I still, I still need to slow down and. <laughs> And, and yeah, and stop reaching for the future. Perhaps for you, Dan, how much of your success do you think has been because of your intelligent skill and hard work and how much of it is because of luck? Yeah, so I like this question. Cool. I like this question a lot because I've actually thought about it a lot, <laughs> funnily enough. <laughs> I really have. This That's is something so I've, I've heard and I've thought about a, a fair bit. And, you know, we've been making jokes at my own expense here about um, not having a property while I'm no. on a property podcast here. No. <laughs> but, but the investment that I, ha- that I have made is different. You know, we own a business that's, that's worth far more than anything I would have had as a property um, now because of the time and investment and the hard work that we've put into that. However, I was incredibly lucky to be in the position that I was and to just stumble into this business when I did because that led to the opportunity. So, you know, being particularly smart people, Tim and I, I think it definitely plays a factor, but I'd say it's about 20%. (laughs) And I'd say luck is the other 80. Yeah, that's a fair call. Yeah, I'd say you should always be prepared and work hard for when an opportunity arises but no matter how hard you work, if that opportunity doesn't arise, yeah. it won't happen. Okay, I'm going to agree with that. Yeah. But I'm going to say you do, to some degree, create your own luck mm. through hard work and being open. Yes. Having an open mindset. Yeah. So, 
it's 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 yeah. more like hard work is the is the foundation. foundation and setting it up and then luck gets you over that line. Yeah, a bit of luck. Without either, neither of them happen. You've got to recognize yeah. the lucky thing when it happens mm. and, and act upon it. Yeah. And, and what about for you, Tim? What are your thoughts on that question? Yeah, I agree. Um, definitely. I mean, I was just lucky, I guess. I was born into, <laughs> I was born into a family. So, I always joke my initials um, are my initials. So, my name is Timothy Shane Garth which my initials backwards are GST. So I was born to be an accountant, which is, I don't know. You might look at that as a lucky thing. You might look at that as an unlucky thing. You tell me. But um, yeah, I think I guess I, I yeah, I, I would, if you hadn't asked that question, I would undersell how lucky I was being born mm. into that family and having the opportunity of the business to um, yeah. to get into. But it takes hard work to capitalize on those opportunities. In saying yeah. that, there's so many other accounting firms that mm. perhaps if you worked hard enough and you built relationships, you could have mm. gone gone into and with a bit of luck, mm. perhaps you could have been their succession plan as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I think I think it's fifty fifty hard work and uh, and luck to have you know yeah. good friends and, and people around us at the right time. Be prepared for when the lucky opportunities arise. Yeah, yeah, take your luck mm. when it comes. Thank you to Dan Osborne and Tim Garth, our guests on this episode of Property Investory. If you love the show, perhaps you're now ready to invest your money in a low-risk, high-return deal. If you are, then SMS me your name and email address on 0499881040 to become a lender. There are amazing opportunities in the property market right now. And I'm looking for lenders who want to invest their money for as short as six months. What are you waiting for? Don't let your money just sit in the bank. To register your interest, text me your name and email address on 0499881040.